maybe I'm being really generous here, but no, are, for a Marvel long, movie, you're being really generous. I am <laughs> being very generous. It just it a lot of leeway. It didn't feel like a traditional Marvel movie. the What's Our Verdict Podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-host, Matson Heiner. Better red than dead. Javier Ortiz. What is up, my nerds? And Ian Anderson. Some shit. We appreciate your help growing the podcast. Go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button. Tell a friend about us. Go check out our website, whatsourverdict.com, where you can listen to all of our episodes, sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive content and updates, pick up some merchandise, and interact with us. The question we always ask, if you ever find yourself wondering if you spend the time, money, or both on a movie, help with that question each week we put a movie on trial discuss the facts pass judgment and let you know our verdict today we're reviewing eternals it was released november 5th 2021 it's written and directed by chloe zhao it stars Gemma chan richard madden kumail nanjiani angelina jolie lauren ridloff brian tyree henry barry keegan ma dong sook liam McHugh, harris patel kit harrington bill skarsgård and salma hayek the saga of the eternals a race of immortal beings who lived on earth and shaped its history and civilizations if you haven't seen this movie and you want to avoid spoilers, now it's time to pause the podcast. Go check out our spoiler-free review on YouTube. See if you want to watch this movie. You can find a link to that in our show notes. Once you've seen the movie or decided through our spoiler-free, you don't want to watch it and are okay with spoilers, come back, pick up where you left off because we're about to spoil the shit out of this thing. All right, gentlemen, let's get this deep dive explanation out of the way. Yeah, what should we do a history have? lesson first? Yeah. What do you want to know? I need an explanation of where Eternals and Infinity Stones work or how they coexist to help me with that. Interesting. Um, so they don't really. The, and especially in the MCU. So the, the, the Infinity Stones and specifically the Infinity Gauntlet got a lot more power in the MCU than it had even in the comic books. Now, don't get me wrong, they're ridiculously powerful in the comics, and the gauntlet actually is even more powerful than they show in the MCU. So in the Infinity Gauntlet series of comics with Thanos, when he had the gauntlet, like every cosmic being in the universe was trying to figure out how to stop Thanos. The Celestials that were part of that, the Eternals were part of that, and when he had the gauntlet on, he was nigh invincible. Even the Celestials couldn't stop him in the comics. So the, the comic book version of the gauntlet is even more powerful than what they show in the MCU. But when it comes to a direct tie between the, the stones, the gauntlet, and the Eternals specifically, there isn't really a tie other than the Celestials creating the Earth is what helped create the stones. So with that being said... Why didn't the Celestials stop Thanos when they clearly saw he was trying to get the Infinity Stones? Because when he snapped his finger and half the universe's population went away, the Celestials couldn't be happy because that's how more Celestials are born when civilizations get to a certain extent on the planet. So I just when I when I heard that, I was like, they wouldn't let Thanos snap his fingers because that thwarts all their plans for the universe and the balance sure. that they try to create. And I think part of that is they don't want, and that's why they had the little explainer with Kit Harrington asking Cersei, why didn't you help fight Thanos? And it's because they were, they're part of their mandate is only to destroy deviants in the MCU. And he, we could go into all sorts of background with Thanos and him having a deviant mutation 
which is why he's purple and had the same. So when when the, the when the spoiler alert, some of the Eternals die in this movie, they have like those circles, all the designs that are on their their suit or on their skin, just like Thanos had those markings on his skin, the scarring and the designs on his skin, but it was purple. That's uh, in the comics, and they haven't confirmed it in the MCU. In the comics, he's he's an Eternal. He was born of Eternal parents, and he had a mutation that was relative to the deviants. So he was a deviant mutation of an eternal born person. So now could they make the argument that they could have killed Thanos as a deviant? Cause they could the have, if they wanted to bring that in. Now, the only problem with a line like that or bringing them in is one, it involves the Eternals far too early in the MCU. And it really, yeah, I, cause now we have Endgame, which we talked about in our spoiler-free, that's even convoluted further. Or you have Infinity War, which doesn't play out the same way, and Javier would all of a sudden hate that movie because now you bring in Eternals that can, in theory, cause a little more havoc with Thanos than was caused by that battle. So it's it's really kind of a give and take when it comes from a movie-making perspective by bringing them in that so early. So I will, I will say this. It would have been cool to know as an, an average fan, at least that's how I look at myself, or just we'll say me, who doesn't really know much. If I had known Thanos was from Eternal Parents and a Deviant, it would have explained more why he was so super powerful even when he didn't have the gauntlet, because that's one of the things I hated about Endgame, that when he didn't have the gauntlet, I was like, who is this dude? He's just like super op and yeah, maybe he's an alien. He's stronger than the average human, but why is he so powerful? It makes more sense to me now, but I didn't know that. It's tough, and that's one of those things where it's there's so much lore and backstory that I don't envy the decision of what what do we bring into how do we explain these things? What do we explain? Because by saying at least at the time, and and going back to an average fan's perspective, for me, if they'd have come out and said, yeah, he's an eternal with a, a deviant mutation, that doesn't confuse me at all. But probably the majority of MCU fans, they go, what the fuck is a deviant and an eternal, right? So now it, it adds a lot. that. Sure. <laughs> well, it finds <laughs> that balance of, you know, how much question do we want to have people worrying about what an eternal and a deviant is while they should be watching Infinity War? Dude, even that little Star Wars little intro text i don't know if it's because i'm dyslexic or just dumb but they're like celestials made eternals and eternals were with to fight the deviants i'm like wow there's a lot going on in these two paragraphs and i am very lost (laughs) yeah and that's i've been worried about this movie because of how deep and how insanely specific and and there's so much detail to these characters and and all of the major components of this story that i was like you're opening a huge can of worms with this movie and involving these characters and i'm i'm glad they did i think it's cool like i said i i really enjoyed like especially because like these characters in the comics are have been are gods basically that's where like a lot of your greek and they mentioned it a little bit especially with thena they that's where a lot of these gods come from, like Greek mythology, things like that. Even the original Eternals, because the Eternals you see in this movie, there are no first generation Eternals from the comics. So the first generation Eternals have kids, and these are all kids and grandkids of the original Eternals in the comics. So were the original Eternals, did they 
were they killed? Because they can't die of old age, right? Um, were they? No, and I thought they were supposed to procreate. Well, in the comics, they they're not so. And this is where it's different. This is the big change that they made from the movies to the comics. They're not robots. They're not created like like that in the comics. In the comics, they're all we're all the same. It's just the level of mutation that we have, right? So there are three. They create all three when and they do this on every planet they create, and then they do experiments on the on the versions of the humans that are there. So when they came to Earth, the Celestials, that is. There were, call them Cro-Magnon man, whatever. They were early men. They weren't humans as we know them now. They were cavemen, whatever you want to call them, right? So they were early hominids. They did experimentation, the Celestials, on these. And they created, through those, three different beings. Deviants, which are fully mutated. And you never know what mutation they're going to get. They're usually very disfigured, kind of ugly. And they are shapeshifters most of the time when they create deviants. The second piece of that is the Eternals, which are beings that are fully mutated but can control their mutation, and they are they look human, but they also have control. And I was telling these guys last night, they have full control of their molecular structure. They can that's they all have healing power in the comics. They all can fly. They all have some version of durability, huge durability and strength. And then they'll specialize in certain powers. It's almost like in a video game where you're like choosing your stats, right? So, for example, Makari, she chose to focus on speed. So, or Mercury, that's where the god Mercury or came from Makari. That's where in... Ah, yeah, yeah. Or Hermes, depending on how you want to go if you're going on Zeus is in the MCU, though, from what I understand. Like those, the Greek gods, so that also confuses me yes so there's the new gods and then there's the old gods and the zeus being in there was brought in from a different point of perspective but there is a the one of the original ter- eternal zeus is in the mcu along with he's not in the mcu he's in the con he's in the marvel comic universe but, but he's not in the cinematic version norse mythology is also in this universe yes most of the mythologies are in there somewhere i'll see now that's just confusing so now who's king of the gods well technically there are no gods outside of the celestials and the the actual gods gods in the comics which are not earth but gods. are celestials really gods if they can't stop thanos from snapping his fingers <laughs> when that's like what they okay. don't want them i also have a thanos related question thanos was way more powerful than any even icarus i think you could argue is that because of his little deviant mutation no, what, blood stuff. No, what people forget about and what we don't think about is that we don't meet Thanos in combat until he has the gauntlet with at least one stone. And most of the time we oh. see him with one or two stones. Those stones with the gauntlet like tremendously and exponentially power this. But what guy. about in Endgame though when he didn't have any and he was he took on all he took an Iron Man, Thor and Captain America. Yeah, but Icarus would make would have shredded those guys to ribbons. So when you think about it from an Eternals perspective, sure, there's I not. Mean, it makes more. Wanna, it makes more sense now. Now that I know, sure. Uh, when you think, of, yeah, I mean, those guys but would what, have been hilarious to watch that because the Eternals that we saw in this movie, the ten of them would have made mincemeat out of the entire army that came through. You know what I so mean? That's, so it's just like. The next explanation I need, when they showed them fighting the Deviants throughout 
BC history for a while into into AD. They made like mincemeat from how I saw the them fighting the deviants, where it looked like they were kind of they were just having fun. And then these five or six whatever come out of the ice, and all of a sudden they're I don't know if they're more powerful because they they get Ajax healing power, and I don't know if Icarus knew that was going to happen or not, but it didn't feel like when they were first showing them that they knew that deviants could take their powers. And then did they also know that they were going to become more human the more powers they took? That that whole jump didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I didn't understand why we needed to humanize this deviant at the end. And then Angelina Jolie's character just killed him. I didn't even really understand why that was in the movie because it didn't add anything to me. And it just felt like it happened. But the real bad guy was Icarus's inner conflict and what he was trying to do. And the deviants were almost like a side story at the end. That That really threw me for a loop. Yeah, and that's one of my biggest, I was going to talk about that in this anyway, because that's one of my biggest issues with this movie when it comes to storytelling, because the MacGuffin in this whole movie is the Deviants, and they take it too far. Like, in my opinion, they should have just had, like, a swarm of Deviants come out of this, as opposed to this mutating Deviant thing, because, and I get kind of why they did it, because, kind of, but they screwed it up, because the Deviants in the comics are shapeshifters, so they would have been able to change but they've pigeonholed them into this weird realm of they use them to how to to explain like a lot of like like you saw the I don't want to say what not the Minotaur version, the big bull thing and, you know, mm-hmm. back in Mesopotamia or Babylon or whatever. So they used it as these animals that come out of, you know, these stories from, again, like the mythology times. And I was like, that's cool. But then the one that could like as they took powers and absorb powers, that's not part of comic history like that came out of nowhere as a way to make them be the bad guys until it was time to reveal Icarus's betrayal and that's all that was and I feel like it was a waste for me yeah it's confusing yeah oh, it was a waste because to- Icarus like reveals himself as the bad guy the first time you see him in the present day <laughs> yeah I mean if that and that's if they hadn't been so ham-fisted with Icarus's <laughs> betrayal a deviant did it yeah, uh, it was the deviants. A deviant, this. <laughs> totally a deviant. This looks like the work classic deviant work yeah. here. And if anybody I mean, he wasn't wrong, to, you know him. His his did he Stop fix lying. his eye scarring when he freaked out about and he shot the ground and it was on fire when he was freaking out about her die Ajax dying. I was like, yeah. Was when that happened, I was like, how how dumb are these Eternals? Did they not like <laughs> look at? They're like, hey, hmm. did she did she get gouged? Are there are there any like? That suspiciously looks like laser beams. Yeah. It might come from someone's eyes. On the ground Mm. behind her. Like, have you been here in the last couple of days? Mm. Everything was on fire. Yeah. Similar to what happens when you laser beam things. And I get, like, these guys have been together for 7,000 years. So it's hard to say, you know, not trust. Because that's a level of trust that you and I will never understand, right? But it was so obvious when he lay, oh, yeah, I was a deviant. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, deviants have been dead for years, and all of a sudden one pops up and they've killed Ajax? Come on. So, yeah. How did he, when they, when he had the whole thing where he found those deviants that came out of the ice, like, I also was like, well, how did, how did you know where they were? That was rather convenient, and, uh, but it's a movie, so you can, you can overlook some of that. Why didn't he just kill him? (laughs) Isn't that his job? Yeah. That too. <laughs> There's five little wolf deviants just off them, and you're good. No kidding. Yeah, because like when he found them, spoiler free, there was a lot of stuff. 
and I and I think the that, that shit. Well, and I think the part right. of the problem with this movie is because it's so big that things were going to fall by the wayside, unfortunately, because, I mean, it's already two hours and 40 minutes long. Oh and gosh. it's it, there's so much to it that it, there's going to be things that fall through the cracks. And the, the deviants were obviously a throwaway way to bring this story about in a way that doesn't have just a flat out betrayal that's easy for them to see, mm-hmm. even though it was easy for us to see. And that is one of the ways that this movie suffers for sure. As far as characters go, though, I feel like we followed the wrong ones, right? Like I wanted more of Thena and Gilgamesh and uh, Kingo. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Like these are all like supporting characters a lot. And I'm like, man, Cersei, why don't you go take a break for an hour while we go follow the real stars? You well, and the should have done is made this a Kingo document documentary, and we could just watch that. Watch it through the documentary, dude. That's a TV show I would watch. If they, yeah. <laughs> they right. had a documentary, uh, that's funny. Yeah. Is this new? Because I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> have you stayed a movie star for so long? He's like, "What are you talking about? This is my great grandfather, my grandfather, my father, my whatever." <laughs> I thought that I love that part. I am. <laughs> I am the descendant of the greatest Bollywood <laughs> dynasty <laughs> ever. Kumail Nanjiani is, I love that guy. He's such a great comedian. He did awesome. And yeah, he killed it. But I'm with you. That was my biggest. I look, I Richard Madden was like one of my favorite. He was my, sorry, one of my least favorite characters in Game of Thrones. The only thing he did some TV show on Netflix. No, it wasn't Netflix. I think it was in, it was a Amazon original. That was really good, but that he's not a great actor. And I, because he was in Game of Thrones, he gets this like credit for being great, but he was never really great in that either. And I, it, so for him to carry a lead role, especially like one that the whole story hinges on, I was like, oh boy. And because it's sad because Gemma Chan, she's an amazing actress, the one that plays Cersei, mm-hmm. but I think she got saddled with Icarus yeah, and Richard Madden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, she suffers from. Uh, yeah, I mean, she had to carry a lot, right? Like, she's with Richard Madden, and she's with a 14-year-old new actress most of the movie. So it's like, ugh, that's hard. But to Leah McHugh's credit, the girl that plays Sprite, she was better than the other two most of the movie. <laughs> so I didn't have a problem with Icarus or Richard Madden because I thought that was just his character, just kind of this unlikable kind of just blah. Like it almost seemed like he was bored half the time because he was so overpowered. Probably. But if you're going through this internal conflict that you just like when we meet you in the modern world, you have just killed help killed Ajax, like who has been your leader for 7,000 years. How are you so calm? Like, yeah, I just know he had that outburst with the laser eyes. So, well, yeah. So he got it all out of his system. Like, Mm -hmm. He's good. But that was my problem is this guy is playing as wooden as it gets. Not only that, but he's coming back to the love of his life for 5,000 years or 6,500 years. And this is what we get. Like there were so many emotional moments that should have been there that didn't come because he either had an outburst after he killed Ajax or he like just was okay to say, I'm sorry, I hurt you and I'll leave when we're done. Not to mention, you've known now that you're yeah. all going to die in a couple of th- You know what I mean? It, it just, it didn't fit for me. 
that he knew so much and did so much and then acted like a wooden character the whole time. First, I don't think I'll ever be able to take Selma Hayek serious again in any role unless it's Hitman's wife's bodyguard or that. Yeah, <laughs> I felt the same way. The, I was... <laughs> yeah, she was. It's I keep picturing her in that blonde wig freaking out in a nightclub and it just doesn't fit. <laughs> but um. I just struggled at the end with when you guys were talking about Icarus, where he he goes through, he betrays these nine people that he's spent thousands of years with. And then at the end, when she turns the celestial to marble or whatever, he kind of is just like, oh, I do love you and I'm not going to kill you. And it's like you did so many things to this gal that wouldn't you have hit that moment, that emotional barrier before? I don't know. I just don't like that. And then he kind of just offs himself and it felt very... Like, let's tie a bow on it, and this will be a nice little ending that's convenient for the storyline. I I just didn't feel like that fit. Yeah, he had a weird progression and arc. Well, that's, yeah. I don't want his redemption. I, I, that was my problem with it, is leave him. You went through this moment of letting Fastos have this, like, moment where he traps Icarus, right? And which was bitching cool. Like, when he slams him to the ground. Where was that yeah. earlier? <laughs> yeah, the end entire time <laughs> like if i'm the super fast chick and i just got my ass handed to me by icarus i'd be like dude you had that this whole time <laughs> come on man you know I what know, i thought I... too is in mesopotamia where the deviant comes and eats the guy's father i was like dude why couldn't you show up like a minute earlier and save my yeah. dad but he didn't bring that up at all sorry side note that's fair yeah i my problem with Icarus's ending is he should have just stayed strapped to the ground through that whole thing and then make him forcibly become part of the Unimind or we don't need him in the Unimind. I mean, so it was just one of those things where leave him there and then at the end it would have been more satisfying as if they let him go because the damage is already done. The Celestial's dead. Tiamat's not coming out. So now he's got nothing to be there for. Now have him, have him fly into the sun, right? Because... Nobody wants him there anymore. How did he even become part of the Unimon? He wasn't wearing a bracelet. So Tiamat. Yeah, Tiamat. And in the comics, they didn't need bracelets. Okay. They could that was just Tiamat. one of their abilities was to become that's that's how they lived. But I hate when when Icarus uses his lasers on Druid and burns the dude into solid ground, like way down there. And then Druid just as predicted, you just knew he was coming back at some convenient point. But we had just seen earlier that Icarus is powerful enough to laser through a ship and knock that sucker out of the ground. And then Druid just like, I'm good. And we keep hearing how powerful Icarus is. I, just, I hate when movies use power to their convenience. And, and it's there's not enough consistency for me. You know what would have been interesting, and maybe this wouldn't work, but say you trap Icarus, have that deviant take his power, and then they got to duke it out with this villain that they've been building up as an actual villain. It could have been know, cool. I feel like would have been more interesting for me than, yeah. I and then deviant... use that energy to stop the Celestial. I thought that deviant was going to show up on that beach, see them fighting. Put two and two together that like the deviant is emer or the celestial is emerging because that deviant's little monologue was that they their only goal is to survive and they were thrown on these planets and they just wanted to survive emergences. That's true. And so I thought he would have pieced together like, oh, okay, some of these guys are trying to stop this emergence and some of these guys are trying to 
make it happen. And I thought he would side against Icarus and do something. I don't know. I don't know where to go from there. He did. He attacked. Yeah. He hit Icarus and knocked him on his ass. And then Fastos shot the the deviant and stopped him. And yeah. that's when I don't remember who it was, but one of them asked, "Why are you helping him?" Why are you helping Icarus? And he said, we can't let him absorb our powers. Oh, yeah, I caught that. But I thought I didn't think it was strategic. I thought that thing just attacked and was just trying to absorb his powers because. Oh, so, OK, maybe I was wrong. I just thought it was doing its thing, just attacking Eternals like and Icarus no, was just next on the him, list. It shows him walk up and then he's what he watches the scene for a second and then yeah. he goes after Icarus instead of the others because he was actually closer to the others but he goes after icarus that's a good point they're already fighting with him yeah but it all happened so fast i felt like it was just a waste if they oh, weren't going to sure. capitalize on more what ian talked about which i think would have been cool and and very like it would have made sense why they were building this deviant up that would have been awesome but they didn't do any of that and that's where it just felt extra not even need. if you had taken that deviant out of that scene it, we wouldn't have needed it didn't matter unless Dude, if- they wouldn't if that deviant got any other power, that would have been a huge problem, right? Yeah. If that deviant was super fast, or if that deviant could like turn things into other things, like rock into water, or could create illusions, like, oh, dude, that would have been a serious, serious problem. Well, or if he gets, I mean, it, he would have been a problem if he had Gilgamesh's Ajax and Icarus's powers, because now he can fly, he has eye beams. And he has He'd been like invincible. Yeah, it would have been it would have been rough. To That's have like Superman. Take him down. Now, I still think that he could have like Athena still would have taken him down because he she just outsmarted his ass. But it was yeah. Anyway. Oh, that's the other thing, Athena. So she gets sucked on like a vampire, and then and then the deviants like remember, and it's like, dude, that's like the one word in the English language you shouldn't have said. Right. And she remembers and cuts him up into pieces. And then she's good. Is it because that thing like sucked some of her memories out or it, it was, was did she just was she just cured of her it was like whatever it was called? What do you call that when you have you have to like your is it your kidney or livers when like when you have to dilate your blood? What is that? What is yeah. that called? The dialysis? dialysis yeah she had like dialysis javier <laughs> i i don't know that was one that confused me too my assumption is is that because there was a shared memory between ajak who remembers all of the millions of years her memory was never erased as the leader she always knew what was going on and he had all of ajak's memories so my guess is, is there was some sort of transference of memory that she now has the ability to to remember everything as opposed to where she was battling between the last planet that they did and the and then earth that she was going bouncing between those memories that somewhere it cleaned up whatever issue she was having because i don't know they didn't show but they the eternals are in the comics are immortal in that they can die and then they have a machine that will bring them back it, it will resurrect oh. them like they're unkillable in the comics more or less not exactly if you don't bring them back. Like if they they can die and they can be left dead, but they so do have Thanos a machine can come that come back to life. He's not that kind of eternal. He's because not that his, guy because not of his guy. deviant gene. He's not that. And it was they have to be so Thanos is in the comics. Thanos's line is different. So at some point, a group of Eternals leaves Earth and they go and they settle the Moon Titan, Saturn's Moon Titan, as Eternals. And then they have kids and they have kids and and Titan is is populated 
by Eternals that came from this group. And Thena and Thanos technically would be cousins because Zeus or Zeros or Zeus, I can't remember his name. Thena's dad was brother to Thanos's dad who left and went to Saturn. And so they would actually be cousins. There's a big family tree mm. that's there. Yeah, it's a little weird. But yeah, Thanos was never that kind of eternal. So it's a weird breakdown of that whole thing. But So James, when you talked about this earlier, though, with the Infinity Stones and the Celestials, you said those didn't really kind of coexist in the way that they've been forced to in the new MCU. I still don't understand why a celestial being would let Thanos snap his fingers knowing his intentions of wiping out half the universe because that should piss the celestials off. And I feel it like, they, like they didn't have a choice, right? Like they tried to stop him. No, they didn't. Well, in the comics, they did. So in the comics, they tried to stop him and they couldn't because with the gauntlet on, they can't. There's nothing they can do to him, even the celestials. And they even went one step further. There was there's a being in the comics called Eternity. There's a being called the one that is above all. And all of these cosmic beings were involved in trying. They, they had this big council trying to stop Thanos. because, But his his purpose in the comics was very different than in the movies. It wasn't about resources and shit in the comics. It was about he was trying to kill half the population as a gift to the character Death because he was in love with her. And he wanted mm. to give her a gift of half the universe as, you know, love me. And she never loved him she didn't give a fuck about him but he was that's why he wanted to wipe half the planet off the year or half the universe out not because of resources and shit it was to win a girl the reason why we do anything exactly yeah so i gotta step the game up apparently yeah exactly (laughs) the way to a woman's heart is half the universe (laughs) is genocide that doesn't sound quite wrong so that's that's, some gals that would enjoy that oh absolutely i know i have (laughs) so that's why the difference in the comics is they couldn't stop him in this they they haven't indicated that but they've more leaned into the celestials kind of leaving shit alone to play out with the exception of the eternals because in this one they've heavily leaned on the fact that the eternals are basically their fail safe to make sure that the planets go the way that they're supposed to Whereas in the comics, they the Celestials create a planet with the three types of beings on it. And whichever one wins out, energy gets absorbed from that planet regardless. And then they do what's called councils. The, the first council is when the Celestials show up the first time. Then they come back a second time to check on things. And then they leave. And then they come back a third time. And then they leave. And typically the fourth time they come back is to judge the planet. And when they judge the planet, they either destroy it or they leave it be and collect the energy and move on. And then they, they don't give a shit about the planet. After and that's that. where we're at now with the, the judgment part. At, at the yes, end of the so a version of that where Ereshem the judge comes and, and takes the, the three celestials that are still on Earth and then disappears and says, I'll be back to judge. That It's a hint towards the fact that that's how they do it in the comics is he'll come back and decide or use their memories to decide are they worthy. And then if they are, he'll leave the planet as is. And if they aren't, then you'll come back and wipe the planet. This stuff is so confusing. You think of like Doctor Strange with Dormammu, whatever, the destroyer of worlds, either world. Like, how does that dude fit into the celestial principles? Because that, that thing eats planets or whatever. So he's a planet eater. 
and there's a couple of planet eaters and so world eaters the most famous in the comic in the in the marvel comic universe is galactus which we haven't seen in the mcu yet but that's and that's why this movie in an mcu perspective with what's coming in the future is necessary they have to introduce these cosmic beings and these big powerful beings because your villains which i don't think they needed to do per se but your villains only get more get bigger and more outrageous so now through the loki tv show we've been introduced to kang which eventually will become Kang the Conqueror, that version of Kang. And then we have Galactus, which is a Dormammu-level celestial fighting planet eater that can become a real problem. And you're not going to take them down with Thor and Captain America and Iron Man, right? You have to have the level of beings like the Eternals. Captain uh, Marvel. Captain Marvel-ish, which I wish they'd just take her out of the fucking <laughs> universe. But anyway... Uh, yeah. So, and she's not as powerful as they let on either. Like the the Eternals would shred her to bits because I just mentioned her to give you a hard time, JJ. <laughs> Anos with a stone in his hand whooped her ass. So punched her out of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's too bad she didn't stay out of the movie. That's why. That's the funniest part of that movie. She gets sucker punched out of frame and doesn't come back until. The funeral. Well, and especially because what the fuck are you waiting on? Just kill the man. Like, why stand there and stare at him and gloat, you dumbass? You've been around for 30 plus years. Just fucking rip this dude's head off. Should aim for the head. Exactly. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, that's so they're moving towards Galactus and Kang the Conqueror. These these cosmic style beings that are just I'm just I'm really interested because you said at the beginning is JJ you know a lot about this and I don't and I think I don't know how much Ian knows I think Javier is more like me where I I don't know Javier if you know a ton but it seems like more like me the more that they step into this territory and build this universe I just I'm I'm questioning my ability to be as captivated as when I was with Captain America and Iron Man and all those individuals before me because it felt since I had a little bit more base knowledge, I felt more endeared to them and wanted to see the success of the story. But I don't know if I feel the same in what is coming after this. Well, I'm super excited about what JJ told us about the post credit scenes, because that sounds like that will pique my interest. Yeah. Yeah. So a character that didn't Knight. get much play but should have is Black Knight with Kit Harrington's character. And I get they were just introducing him and he doesn't fit other than the love triangle that he has with Cersei and Icarus, like the, it, he doesn't. Well, Icarus is dead now, so now it's just a love line. Yeah, well, unless right? they unless they resurrect Icarus, which with the Eternals is always possible. Which Mar- with Marvel, it's possible. With well, Marvel, any, any any comic, it's possible. AKA Superman, right? So, um, anyway, <laughs> AKA a, the end game. Time. It's it's a comic universe, dude. It's they like, can all come back. It's like they half the time. MCU. They kill off one movie and bring them all back to back. It's like technically didn't kill them, but that's okay. Anyway, the point is, Black Knight should be interesting, especially because they've now introduced Blade as well through yes. that voice, which Mahershala Ali. I cannot wait to watch him play Blade. But they're not going to fit with this whole cosmic universe MCU, though. Those are very much planet people. Yes, like and and so and at its core, like. They have to introduce the cosmic level, and that's why because that's where your villains are going to come from. The future big bads of Thanos and everything else. That's why with Thanos, you had to introduce Thor. You had to introduce the Guardians of the Galaxy because those characters tied directly to Thanos. 
when you're now you're talking about Galactus and Kang being a villain, you have to introduce the Eternals because those characters are tied to those villains. I think that your Eternals moving forward are going to be very similar to Guardians of the Galaxy. They'll have their movies. Now that they've showed them on Earth, I think they separate them from Earth until you get your big come together movies with the big huge villains. I think they'll have they'll be more separate now, especially when you introduce Star Fox. They're going to be traveling looking for the other Eternals and there's no Eternals left on Earth anymore or in the MCU. So they won't have to be on Earth anymore and you can now go back to focusing on your Earthbound characters as the major parts of the movies. So the little cut with Star Fox and this little d- dwarf pip the troll. So <laughs> the CGI in this movie is great until that point. Like yeah. it looked really bad. It looked like Clifford the Big Red Dog bad. Yeah. Like and that happened. It, it's and I'll tell you what happened. It's because those post-credit scenes and mid-credit scenes, they get made in between like they're not part of the major production. Those don't get decided on until usually after the movie is completed and they're they're in post or heavily oh, in the so post production. Like thrown together. Exactly. All oh. of the post-credit scenes in every Marvel movie, with the exception of the of the Iron Man one, the original Iron Man post-credit scene with Samuel Jackson, those are not they're done well after the movies are made because they're still mm. deciding how do we want these to tie together. So that CGI is very quickly thrown together. It's not polished and put. They have to rush okay. it to get it into the movie. It's not an excuse. They shouldn't do that. Just fucking leave Pip the Troll out because he's not necessary. Pip the Troll plays a big part in the comics in the Marvel or in the Infinity Gauntlet series, like where Thanos is getting the gauntlet. So it's a very odd choice to have him he's a weird fucking character and and it I, there's no other reason for him to be there other than like the comedic piece that might happen from him but he's a weird yeah. weird fucking character well and the voice actor they use forget his name but like seemed a little off like it didn't seem like the voice that should be coming out of pip you know yeah. well and he's a big marvel he was in he played a pretty major character in the the shitty agents of shield show mm. And so they brought him. He's been a big fan, and I can't think of his name either. Why can I not think of his so name? I can picture his face. Yeah, uh, me too. Oswald something. Oswald. Yes. Patton Oswald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it was an odd choice to have him, and especially because he was making his voice like deeper. I think if he'd have just done his normal Patton Oswald voice, it might have yeah. fit better. Yeah, maybe. Oh, anyway. That whiny yeah. high pitched, but yeah, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the Star Fox introduction because it convolutes what they did with Thanos. Because now Thanos. I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know it super well, but honestly, like Thanos was one of the more captivating stories of the sure. of, or like villains of of the Marvel Universe. So I'm OK diving a little bit more into that family tree. If they do, though, I, I would love to see a prequel movie about Thanos when he was a young Agreed. man, because in, because in the comics, he's an interesting character, because I was telling you, Javier, last night as a child and a very young man, Thanos was a pacifist mm-hmm. like he oh, was not, I would yeah. love that because I'm on I'm on Thanos' side most of the time through these <laughs> movies. I'm like, I don't know, guys. He's kind of got a point. Well, and technically he saved Earth because the emergence was obviously about to happen. Right. So I think if you made like a little purple thing, you could yeah. you could really kind of hammer that home of like Thanos. He's not such a bad guy. And I think that would really cause some conflicted emotions and some sure. fans. Well, so that, I, that's one thing I like about Marvel's villains, because even this one, the Celestials, where it's like, I can kind of see their point, because without them, 
the earth wouldn't have even been created. So how do you deny like other people having that creation ability? So I think that's interesting when you can make connections and agree with the villain in some respects. That was an interesting discussion, right? Like the morality of like the circle of life, right? And the reality of sacrificing 8 billion so that 100 billion can have life type of thing. The few for the many, right? So like if you agree with that concept, then it makes sense to let the earth die. But if you don't agree with that concept that each life has value, then it really complicates things, especially I guess if you're an eternal. (laughs) Well, and I love the discussion that went on with, so we talked about Camille Nanjiani and, and Kingo. I loved the fact that Kingo left. Yeah, me like, too, actually. Look, I agree with Icarus, but I'm not willing to kill you or fight you because I love you and you're my family for my belief. So I'm mm-hmm. going to step away. And they let him. They may be disappointed, but they're like, I, that's fine. And I think mm-hmm. that's it was a really subtle way to show that something that I think we all miss as human beings is we can disagree and not hate each other. Right. Yeah. Like, and you don't have to go there for your beliefs. People are going to, right. Mm -hmm. You can have your beliefs and respect that and respect others and not go to that point. You don't have to pick a side. Yeah. I just love that you had, they had all of the spectrums there, right. There were certain reasons why people were fighting for certain things, but there were conflicting ideas and and you can't say that any of them were 100% wrong. Mm-hmm. You just can't. And I, and I yeah. love that perspective. So, I, and that's why I think this movie for me really stands out in the Marvel universe because the character development is so good with, if you take away Icarus and Cersei, because to me, their character development was so clunky that it was like, eh, but when you talk about Kingo's like development, because you can see that he loves his family enough because this valet loves the rest of the Eternals, right? Like he respects them. I thought he was a vampire trying to stab yeah, him in the heart. It's like, I've apologized so many times, but not enough times. Not close, but not enough. Do you think he had a fourth camera? Oh, I'm sure he did. Are you mental? Right. <laughs> Well, then he blows the dude's head. Gotta up. get the action shots. Yeah. Did you the, he, the loyalty of this him, guy? And he goes, oh, yeah. You get the shot? I did, you know, sir. I, I hope he's returning. Oh, yeah. Oh, the valet geez. was my favorite character. In the yeah, world. those two guys were amazing. But then you have the duality of, of Thena and Gilgamesh. What a great way. Like those two amazing character development watching the emotion that and thank god angelina zoli was in this movie like i was really nervous about it because you just it's hitting like she's a fantastic actress always has been always will be but because of who she is sometimes she she has a specific style that doesn't always work in like the vibe of a movie yeah and especially in like a uh a group movie like this like you're like oh is she gonna steal everything and she did but in the best way yeah like when when gilgamesh dies and she has that emotional breakdown like nobody else in that movie could have pulled that off that way Mm -mm. and you just believe it and you're gut-wrenched one because gilgamesh is dead and he was a cool character but her you're like what is she gonna do now like yeah he was her rock for 500 years like what the hell it was really cool too because she was aloof the whole movie yeah. And like until that scene, you're like, oh, damn, like real emotion here. So it's like really cool from like one moment to the next. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I thought and I loved her too. Like when she and Icarus start fighting, he's like, You've never fought me. She goes, But I've always wanted to. But I've always wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) I love that part. It was so good. And then Makari too. Oh my God. I love Makari in this movie for so many reasons. Like her character, some of the best lines are delivered through sign language in this movie. And I think it's fucking fantastic. Mm And I love her. Like, she's always smiling. You you see her. She's been sitting on her ass for 500 years collecting shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and she's reading a book at hyperspeed, sitting on this fucking seat. And everybody's bitching. He's like, what did you do to my, like, Festus? Is like, there's sarcophagus <laughs> in my lab? <laughs> so good. Um, I really liked Druig. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think he was one of the more real characters mm-hmm. of, like, I have the power to stop all of this like i have the power Mm -hmm. to achieve our goal right now and for him to stay his hand for seven thousand years and all he is is a little pissed off about it like i think that says a lot about the type of person even though he's kind of painted as like the annoying kind of like rebellious character i'm Mm -hmm. like he's probably got to be the most morally sound character in this movie well and i love when cersei asks him why he didn't and he's like, because without their flaws, they're not human. Mm-hmm. That's what makes them human. Mm-hmm. And so, but he, so Druig is a very interesting character because he's set up to be the villain because in the comics, he tends to be the villainous character a lot. Like he's the, the rebellious, he and Sprite actually do a lot of silly shit against the other Eternals in the comics because mm-hmm. he's kind of a, he wants to be the leader. He wants to be the prime Eternal in the comics. So he's constantly doing shit that's against the Eternals. So a lot of people speculated he was going to be the betrayer of them. And they kind of set that up to look that way at the beginning of the movie when they separate. Mm-hmm. So I was glad they didn't. And I really like he was one of my favorite characters as well, Druig. But there's a lot of characters like I also enjoyed Fastos. Like Fastos was cool. Dude, I, I don't understand how you become a family man as an Eternal. Right? Like, how do you have yeah. a kid? Knowing you're gonna have to like outlive them, and stuff. you're gonna outlive your yeah your kid forever. Do well, that's why. Go ahead, Matt. Have I'm sorry. sperm if they're a machine. I mean, they have kids, but I well, think, no, you know, I think they were. Adopted. I think it was adopted. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know they were gay. And, you know, physically <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work. You know, <laughs> which I was also very proud of Disney and Marvel for the full-on showing. Yeah, the gay relationship and like they didn't make a show of it. Like it was just normal. It's they didn't force it. You're yeah. introduced and he's playing catch with the son and he's fixing his son's bike. Right? Yeah. I'm like, that's exactly how you would introduce like a normal American heterosexual family. Yeah. In a movie. And then like his husband is like lecturing him about what his mother-in-law would say to his ass right now. It's like, mm-hmm. that's perfect. Like I do that to Casey all the time. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or something like, so I, I really enjoyed that, that they didn't overdo it, but they didn't shy away from it either, which was great. Yeah. And that's what we've been asking for yep. for two years. Absolutely. Right? I'm like, can you stop force feeding people this? Like you're go, you're trying way too hard to be the studio that is progressive. Yeah. yeah. And this was good. Or it's not trying hard enough. Because yeah. They'll right. Avoid it. In the, yeah. It'll be, it'll be there, but not quite. Yeah. Like do it or don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was very happy. They had, yeah, they had a gay couple. They had strong female character. Angelina Jolie was a great pick for a strong female character, by the way. Yeah. Well, and you had the deaf superhero, which I thought was cool. 
Like, yeah. And that actress was actually deaf and she taught most of the cast American Sign Language on set. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I actually really liked her too as like a female character because we talk a lot about strong female characters. Yeah. And while she maybe isn't stereotypically like the like Thena, strong, like abrasive, she was very strong in her own way, but she was smiling the whole time oh, yeah. and she was like caring and kind. And so it was really nice to see like the different types of strong female characters yeah you know well and i like too because they kind of separate them between like the 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 warriors and then like the builders classes that how they did that and she was kind of in both because she saved a lot of people from death blows Mm -hmm. and then she turned around and handed icarus's ass for like two minutes dude when that started i was like oh this makes sense she would be the only one that could stand a chance yeah and i loved like how they handled her visuals Because, I mean, it's no surprise on this podcast that I fucking hate the way that they do the Flash. Where he's swimming through. He's he's doing like a backstroke as he's running. Running forward. He looks like he's doing a backstroke. (laughs) Like he's reaching out, trying to grab some shit while he's running. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Her shit was so cool. Like when she takes off to find that volcano and she's jumping over shit and fucking turning on a dime. And it, it looks natural running when they show oh dude i loved it so much and then she just fucking beats icarus's ass dude that see so she fun. rakes his face across like a mile of that mountainside oh yeah day young she starts like rabbit punching him and they actually punch a hole into the Boom. mountain like and the lava starts coming out of the side like it's that was so awesome good. That scene where it zooms out for a second on the beach and it's just blurs of her like, boom, 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 boom. I was like, oh, that was cool. That was the coolest scene. The oh, yeah. coolest fight scene. Yeah, it was so I will good. say, I, this is probably one of the movies that I've heard the most audible reactions from Javier in like fight sequences. Because that was especially cool. Especially during that one. It was like, Oh, 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 I can give credit where credit is due. That was a fun fight scene. Oh, yeah. Well, and I love too, like when Thena first goes nuts and Gilgamesh just punches her ass in the <laughs> ground. <laughs> yeah. He's so like, like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. It's just a shockwave. I was like, oh, damn, chivalry isn't dead. Yeah. <laughs> Knocks the shit out of her. That's great. Because I was wondering, I'm like, she is manhandling everyone here and it was funny to see Gilgamesh he was like holding back the whole time he's like okay boom (laughs) I want to talk about Sprite because she's the last character that to me had some really interesting character development in that I can't imagine what it would be like to be a 12 year old girl for or 12 year old kid period for 7,000 years like so she like developmentally a 12 year old no that's and that's so in the comics because she acted like a 12 year old (laughs) so in the comics like she and so like i said all of them have their place in mythology right so sprite represents like all of like the fairy folk or i got that from the the hair yeah the peter pan kind of vibe which was funny while they bring it up but then she's not peter pan like poor kingo like shits (laughs) on her about being tinkerbell you know what i mean tinkerbell Mm -hmm having to like love peter and not have to not be able to be with him so yeah but uh, yes and no like she's very she's kind of like the loki of the eternals like she's very mischievous and she's always messing with people so she is a little immature on that level but she lives as a child so she has to kind of fit in in that way and so she kind of has that but she's not necessarily i mean she's still a seven thousand year old 
human being. So there's life lessons there and, and a maturity that you can't help but have. So it's kind of like she's stuck in these two worlds. And I love the way that they played that in this movie in that it, I, like I would normally be very pissed off at a character for betraying the main good characters or that storyline you're supposed to. But when well, I can't be mad at her because she's kind of got the worst end of a lot of the the way that this plays out for the characters is 7,000 years as a child. That would be rough. So Yeah, I wasn't sure how I felt about that. It seemed clunky. That whole betrayal the way and that then, they did it was very clunky but i was trying yeah. to chalk it up to they've known each other for seven thousand years so this can't be the first time that sprite has stabbed cersei <laughs> <laughs> yeah right so i don't know that's what i was talking it up to but yeah it did feel a little a little clunky well and I, a lot of people have complained well they immediately forgive her and i'm like yeah but again seven thousand years you've known these people to us, like we go through what eighty years at most of eighty to hundred years of knowing someone if you've known them from birth, and it's like, yeah, I could see that's, but seven thousand years, a stab in the back, eh, you get over it pretty quick. Like, like you say, there's probably worse things that these characters have done to each other than a little betrayal at the end of the world, right? <laughs> Actually, kind of would have shown that though. Yeah, but it wasn't yeah. all hunky dory for seven thousand years, and then and then they can't fight deviants to save their lives, stuff like that. Dude, mildly upgraded deviants. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. And I think, and I, I didn't say this to you guys because I wanted to save it for the podcast. To be honest with you, I think this movie should have been like a five episode miniseries on Disney Plus, because I think it gives you more time yeah. to flesh out <laughs> what they really and. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to discount how good they did do with this movie in, in a lot of ways when it came to the characters and the story. When you're limited to a two hour and 40 minute, and I say limited because this could have been five or six hours. And I think it would have been it would have benefited from that extra time to allow you yeah. to show some of those nuances in the relationships and focus on each character a little bit more. And maybe would have brought a little bit more to Icarus and Cersei that would have made them a little bit more likable and believable in this role. So I, I think that that's a misstep that they had, but I won't fault them because I still thought it was a pretty decent movie. So Also, Ian, I think they tried to paint Thena as like the main deviant killer, like throughout the history where she was she left the party at Babylon to go kill deviants. So I think that might be another reason why they like weren't doing very great against the new age deviants because athena was out of action right i don't know i guess i can see that maybe i'm being really generous here but no and for a marvel long... movie you're being really generous i am That's being fair. very generous it, just, it, a didn't, lot of it didn't feel like a traditional marvel movie right no. If, yeah no. it certainly wasn't but you're not wrong athena in the comics is very powerful even and the whole sidelining her because if you have both it's you're pretty much invincible and she would have never stopped hunting something so yeah. it really helped because she just needed battle so all right should we rate this thing sure Let's do, do it. it all right we're gonna reverse the order Matt, and we'll start with you buddy all right well if you listen to our spoiler free i use the word as our common folk know it as meh m-e-h a meh movie is gonna fall in line i'm gonna give this movie a three for a, a few different reasons. We've talked a lot about uh, how this movie takes a gigantic step forward in the MCU universe that I don't quite understand. While it's hard for me to understand, I'm intrigued by where they are going and excited for what's next. 
I think I need to, like many individuals, brush up on my comic lore so I can learn a little bit more like JJ does when I step into some of these movies. I think there's some actors that that really do a wonderful job endearing you to their character progression, uh, like Athena and Gilgamesh. I can't remember the the Bollywood actor. I, I just really like uh, his Kingo, his story arc, and as we talked about making the the moral decisions to to bow out of the fight. And that's one of the things I really liked about this movie is it really, it gives you a lot to talk about at the end about where, where, where would you be in making the decision as an eternal in this conflict? Who would you side with and why? And I love movies that give you something to talk about afterwards. And this movie does do that. You could sit and eat ice cream or go to dinner, whatever it is with your friends and figure out like, where, where are you in that pecking order? And to me, that's always a good, a marking of a, of a movie that I enjoy when it gives me something to talk about. What was hard about this movie is if you don't know a ton about the MCU universe and the comics and such, you could be a little lost. Uh, you're going to have to do some education probably after the fact or even before the fact. I think it will help your viewing experience. But I, I commend Marvel for trying to step out of their norm and give us something different. While it did fall a little bit flat with some of the acting and some of the consistency, in my opinion, in the, the story, overall, it was... Not a great movie, not a bad movie, solid three. Will I watch this again? I won't watch it in theaters again, but when it comes out on Disney Plus, definitely I'll watch it again. Ian? I'm torn on what I want to rate this because there were there were some good, good parts, but there were some other things that kind of just didn't make sense for me or like didn't have the background to understand. And I just feel like they either need to commit and do this, like JJ was saying, as a series or simplify some things and, and not make this a two and a half hour long movie. Because I walked out and I told Javier, I was like, I didn't need two and a half hours to for you to tell me that story like especially some of the build-up between Xerxes and uh Icarus and they're like trying to get you emotionally involved in these characters and it just didn't happen for me no I was like you guys kind of talked about I was more invested and interested in these other side roles like Druig and Sprite and Kingo man Kingo made this movie for me because it got me through not that it was that bad of a movie but it was that much more entertaining with Kingo so yeah I'm gonna go I'm going to go 2.5, like middle of the road. It's not one that I'm like looking forward to seeing again. I am somewhat interested to see what comes later or how the story evolves from here, but not not something that I'm going to watch again unless somebody kind of, well, this is what I want to watch and that's what we're watching. I was like, okay, I'll sit through it. But appreciate all the the additional advice and information from JJ on how to interpret so many things in this movie. Sweet. Javier. I think in the same way, I think I'm going to give it a 2.5 because it's not a bad movie. It's just not a remarkable movie. There are some big standouts like Kingo, Thena, Druig that I really enjoyed watching. But it doesn't excite me enough to watch the movie again. But I am looking forward to seeing them in other movies. So I hope that they can yeah. kind of figure out what they're trying to do and improve it. And either, like you guys said, turn it into a series or make a better movie. Because I think there's some real potential here with what they're setting up. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to watch this again, but I will I will commit to watching the other movies. So, I can critique those too. <laughs> You're bringing them back, Marvel. You're bringing That's them back. Right. I'm not convinced yet. You you have you have But you're willing to try. I'm paying attention. There you go. <laughs> it, it may all get thrown out the window when we have our Spider-Man movie in December. Oh, and God. we may be, we may be back to square one on that. I'm I'm trying to be generous there because like JJ corrected me, that is more Sony than it is exactly. Marvel. So exactly. I'm trying to well, be generous there. And you like the Venom movie, so maybe you'll like this one, right? 
do i do like, like the, the sony stuff. well i liked the first Venom movie yeah, yeah. the second one was hard to get was hard to get behind once jj said it's just the same movie with different characters it's, no, <laughs> with one different character. with one with a different villain <laughs> they even replayed the same jokes like it was just fucking so rough anyway one different and really it wasn't even that hard don't character. write a movie yeah, it's bad. And then Javier is watching we the preview of Morbius. Obviously, Javier's like, "Uh oh, <laughs> dude, that looked terrible." Like, what, Jared Leto? Come on! And I keep reinforcing to him. I was like, "Fucking Sony." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw. I was like, "Yeah, okay, I got it." <laughs> yeah. Love it. Anyway, that looked like a bad Van Helsing. Is what it looks like. <laughs> Van Helsing was pretty bad, and it was pretty bad. Yeah, but there's a lot of sexy men in that movie. <laughs> that Very was... attractive people. Yeah. Yes. All right. So I obviously I'm going to score higher in this movie than the rest, but I I think that really comes from a bias of knowing what I was watching more than anyone else in the group. It, it's one of those things that this is one of the most uh, helpful things for my knowledge of comics and these comics specifically that helped me understand. I didn't have questions other than the changes that they made to the Eternals on a fundamental level, like the fact that they're robots and and some of the twists that are there and the fact that Icarus becomes the villain versus like a a Druig, right? So it's some of those changes, which don't bother me at all. In fact, I like them quite a bit because of the way that Barry Keegan played Druig and and that story. And so it was really good for me in that I understood that. And I, but I do feel like, and I said this to you guys when we walked out last night, this movie suffers from the fact that if you know nothing about it, it's hard. Because it raises more questions than it does provides entertainment, in my opinion, or it has that ability to. If you can just let it, let it go on a surface level and just enjoy it for the visuals and the fight scenes and the interesting character development, then I think you'll be okay. But if you go in wanting to piece together how this fits really well into the MCU, you're going to struggle because it's going to open up a lot of questions, especially because we, we didn't we touched on it, but it also adds in this Black Knight character. Like, what the hell's Kit Harrington doing in this movie for two minutes, right? And mm-hmm. what's the secret he's going to tell Cersei? And then at the post credit scene, what's the Ebony Blade? What is this sword? And why is Blade talking to this guy if you know who they've cast for Blade with Mahershala Ali? So I don't it, it asks asks you to take a lot on faith, but I'm hoping that they pay it off as it moves forward. I think they. From a setup perspective, I think they've brought in a very interesting group of characters, like you guys have said, and I'm interested to see what they do with most of them. I'm glad Icarus is gone. I hope he stays gone. I didn't enjoy him. I feel like him and Cersei being the front of this movie made it suffer because they were far from the most interesting characters in this movie. Yeah. And so they I were think far from the most interesting love story in this movie. Well, yeah, and that was a big piece that was touched on that you brought up is that. Uh, the payoff doesn't fit for Icarus not to attack her because I didn't believe in their love because yes, they've been in love for 5,000 years up to the point that he leaves her, but I, okay. They got married. Cool. I, whatever they had the first sex scene in Marvel history. That's cool too. I, I, it doesn't Dude, that did not look comfortable. No, that sand had to cause a rash on the ass. Jeez, and we're eternal, so they can take a. a what about a his knees blast, too? <laughs> He's like kneeling in this. I mean, they are eternals, but that shit still got to be irritating. Anyway, yes. They, so it just wasn't believable enough for that story to make sense for him to stop, stay his hand at the end. So there were a lot of misses, but a lot of great things. I the fight scenes, the action at the end was some of the coolest that I've seen in a movie 
period, especially when it came to Makari and and Fastos with his machines. I thought that was bitching. I, so I had a good time. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Still wasn't by any means. I, I would much rather go watch Shang-Chi than this movie again. But I will watch oh, this yeah. movie when I'm able to stream it because I, I did enjoy it. And I thought it was really good character driven action movie. So very interested to see what's in the future. So there it is. Middle of the road, maybe a little better, depending on your perspective of Marvel and, and your knowledge of the comics. But probably a pretty good, decent average movie. Go check it out. There's some really great YouTube videos out if you want to know a little bit more about the Eternals. I was watching them this morning trying to figure out if there was anything I could recommend. There are some cool YouTube videos that talk about the history of the Eternals and the Celestials and that. So if you want to know more, go check that out. Red Notice next week. Join us for that one. Yeah. My expectations are in the basement. Hopefully it'll be better than what I think it's going to be, but we'll see. And I love Gal Gadot. Is it under two hours? I, I feel like know, we've been watching be a ton of two and a half yeah, hour sick of the long ass movies. Uh, What's the movie called again? Red Notice, I think. Yeah, yeah Red see. Notice. It is an hour and fifty six. So with credits, it would less take out the credits like hour forty five ish. That's worth half a point or maybe, one. Maybe, maybe we'll get happily, <laughs> maybe we'll get happily surprised like Hitman's wife's bodyguard style. You know, maybe I doubt it though. It is on Netflix instead of in a movie theater. So yeah, anything that is worth watching is not on Netflix. We we have learned through sad experience that if it premieres only on Netflix, it's usually not good enough to be in a theater. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Unless it's The Witcher, which I'm looking forward to. TV shows they get right a lot. Yeah. Movies not. So oh yeah. Bad. So yeah, Red Notice next week. Join us for that. Matt, real quick, tell them where they can find us. Come listen to us on Spotify, Ghana, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Check us out at whatsaburg.com to see our coming soon. Leave us a comment and then chime in with us on social media, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Thanks, Madsen. With that, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye now. Cinemagic out.